Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi, everyone. This is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner, Mixergy, and many more. This is a show where we talk to proven founders about their 0 to 30,000 MRR journey and beyond. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStop.io. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition if you want a reliable full-stack development team with top talent that costs half as much as in-house developers. And you know you can trust your SaaS or mobile app with us. We'll give you the first 30 days no risk, and we guarantee being on time and on budget, or we finish the project at no extra cost. Contact us at onestop.io, and let's talk about your SaaS MVP today. Today, I have Alex Zerbach, one of the principals of Carrot.com, a real estate lead generation SaaS that helps our clients manage real estate investors' investments and by streamlining the creation of their property websites. Today, Alex will tell us about how the idea came about to create Carrot, uh, the platform, how the MVP was built, and how they have grown through from zero to 30,000 and on to a uh, 800,000 MRR. How are you today, Alex? I'm doing fantastic. Great. Happy to have you here. We've had a couple other real estate SaaS platforms on here. It sounds like you're mostly for... Um, you mentioned in the pre-show mom and pop. Would you say this is sort of single investors? Is that who your main client is? Right. Yeah. I mean, we do have a mix. We do definitely have um, larger entities, but for a lot of it, it's it's people either doing this full time or you know on the side trying to get into real estate. Yep. Okay. Great. And why don't you tell me a bit about um, the background? You mentioned that you're one of the co-founders. What's the story of how it came about? Yeah, absolutely. So there is a small school down in Oregon, uh, specifically in Klamath Falls, Oregon, called Oregon Tech. And so I went there, and the other co-founder, the CEO, uh, Trevor Mock, currently was an alumni there as well. So okay. when I was in school, we had a, a mutual friend, and he said, hey, I know this guy who's starting this, this SaaS business. Um, you're into technology and nerdy things like that. You should contact him. So I did. And he's like, Hey, this is like very early. Uh, I don't really have any revenue, uh, but I love the, the ambition and the hustle. So let's just figure something out. So I was technically kind of interning, I guess you could call it. And, mm-hmm. um, I actually had to leave and go get a real job so I could, uh, put some food on the table and just mm-hmm. kept in contact with him. And a year later, he's like, Hey, we're, uh, you know, this is starting to like kind of take off. Let's get you over here and let's make this thing happen. And so, okay, that so was about kind of what time is this start. sort of 2013 uh, time it frame? Was, it was actually a little before that. Carrot was called something different. We we rebranded, um, but it was called REI Theme originally, and that okay. was around 2011, 2012. We we actually didn't have Carrot.com at the time. It was on Carrot. Uh, so on Carrot was our domain name. We started that in 2013 officially. Okay. Yeah. Uh, carrot.com is a great domain. Can you tell me, like, how did you get that? Did you have to buy that? And how much can you tell me how much you paid for that domain? So I can tell you a rough number. I love telling the story because how we got the domain is, is awesome. We've obviously had our eye on it for years. Um, and you know, you can set up alerts when, uh, domains become available. And 
I remember it was like a Monday or something and uh, one of the co-founders like sent a message in Slack and he's like, oh my gosh, like care.com is on named or uh, GoDaddy as an auction. So we're like, oh man, okay, let's figure out like how much cash can we set aside to like go after this name? Like we're all in because we yeah. see it as like a huge branding play for all the other oh, markets we want to yeah. get into, right? Yeah. So anyways, we start bidding on it and then all of a sudden, poof, it just disappears off of the listing and we're like, what the heck? So we reach out to a couple of domain brokers to try and understand what had happened. And it turns out that the uh, the man who owned it had passed away. And oh, so when okay. his family uncovered that he owned this domain and how it was actually like pretty valuable, they got yeah. lawyers involved. And the lawyer's like, well, now this is an escrow. You know, this is a, or a uh, probate. Okay. Uh, probate. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they said, OK, well, if you guys are still interested, you can make an offer. But it's a one time best offer. No counter offers, nothing. Mm-hmm. So we're like, oh man. Oh, so, boy, so you're anyway, really kind of guessing, eh? You're sort of guessing, yeah. like, okay. Well, like, who else is out there? What kind of pockets do they have, et cetera? So we did put together a very strong cash offer. I can tell you it was over, you know, it was more than a hundred grand for sure. Mm-hmm. And, but what we did is we said, hey, look, for as long as we own the domain, we will have a page on our domain immortalizing the uh, previous owner who was a painter, an oh, artist. That's a good idea. And so we told yeah. his family, you know, he'll live on in this domain. And we'll send you guys a bunch of swag so you guys can represent uh, Carrot in its new form. Mm-hmm. And they love that idea because everybody else just threw uh, money at them. And so they yeah. accepted our offer and we closed on it. That's great. Do you still have the um, memento of, of the previous owner down at the bottom oh, of the website or something? You do? Okay, great. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Okay, good. So um, great story. Great domain. And so tell me about the uh, beginning of... So, sorry, what was the, the founder, the guy, Trevor. the founders? Trevor, okay, that's right. So he called you up about how much were they doing at that time when, when you came on and what was Carrot in its form then? What were they, sure. what, was, what was it doing? Sure. So a little bit of backstory to kind of take us to that point. So Trevor in college, uh, like I mentioned at Oregon Tech, had bought his first rental property. Um, mm-hmm. he, he did it, uh, a partnership with a family member and really got him into the, uh, the world of real estate investing. Mm-hmm. So then he created a website to, uh, generate leads for tenants and things like that. And then also looking for like more discounted properties to pick up. And he actually had another job. He was doing consulting. He's had several other businesses that he started uh, in between college and 2013. But with that one website, for the lead generation, he was always running conversion tests, you know, tweaking copy, all these other like marketing um, strategies and tactics. Mm-hmm. And so um, what had happened was he was talking about some of his results and some of his like tests in like um, private groups, like Facebook groups. And at mm-hmm. the time, there's like email um, chains and forums and stuff. And yeah. so people started reaching out to him and be like, well, hey, can you do that on my website as well? And so that's kind of what started the idea behind REI theme where we're like, well, Hey, we should just like duplicate. Was know, it a Trevor's... WordPress theme? Was it? It was. A... Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yep. So duplicate Trevor's WordPress theme. And then when people ask, we could just like upload it for them or be like, Hey, this has like all the conversion testing built in the lead form, you know, all this kind of stuff. And you guys can just pay us and we'll, we'll give it to you. So that was really the start. It wasn't even like a SaaS per se, right? It was right. It's more uh, like a product. It sounds like exactly. A product. And and he would sell the theme, say for five hundred, and there may come some support with it or something like that. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, at the very beginning, honestly, it was like people he either knew personally through his network, just you know, other guys trying to 
get leads online because at the time, you know, 2011, 2012, that was still kind of a new slash, you know, ambiguous thing. Mm-hmm. And so he'd either give them the theme or be like, Hey, give me a hundred bucks and I'll just give you this theme. It's, it's working for me. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, anyways, yeah. Then when I came on in 2012 ish, um, they had some revenue. Um, it was under $10,000 okay. a month. It was a couple thousand so, dollars a month. Very up, very down though. Right. So I want to explain the business model because at this time, it sounds like it's mostly manual. Is that right? So it sounds like you're almost like an agency. You're, you're what, three guys at this time? There's Trevor. Uh, it's Trevor. He has like an assistant. And then uh-huh. uh, we have one person in chat part time and then myself. Okay. Okay. So very early days, it's almost like a small agency focusing on real estate investors. And Trevor is uh, figured out, he's a good copywriter, he's figured out a good theme that converts. And so people are coming to you and you're creating these websites manually. Is that yes. correct? And you, so you take the theme and you charge them. So you're really an agency. This is definitely not a platform at this point. Okay. Yep. But it helps because you have some revenues coming in. You have some customers. You can speak to those customers, find out what they want. Right. Is that correct? Okay, great. Yeah, so I just exactly. want to make sure I understand. Like, so we're 2013. You're really an agency at this point. Walk me through um, the conversion from agency to SaaS. About when did that happen? Was it again in, like, was it 2014 about? So in 2011 and 12, it was more of that agency model you described. 2013, yeah. I had left and went and I was doing a sales job. And at that time, okay. uh, Trevor found, the other co-founder in the mix, uh, his name's Chris, and Chris okay. is the the technical part of the business. So he's the CTO or something. Correct. Chris okay. is the CTO. Trevor actually contracted out Chris. He's like, hey, man, I'm uploading all these themes. Like, is there like a script I can run to like make this better? And Chris is like, well, you don't need a script. Let me just show you. And so Chris like took their process from like a day down to 15 minutes. And oh, really? Trevor's like, okay, I need you to come help me do more of that. So he's like, why don't you, because Chris was just freelancing. He's like, why don't I pay you as much as I can, you know, get you in here and we can automate this thing and turn it in from an agency into a SaaS. So they did. And then revenue. How did he, how did Chris do it? So he just was, I'm like, what's the stack? Yeah. So we, right now, uh, we're still a multi uh, site WordPress install, but we have, a lot of other tooling, um, a lot of, you know, React and some Rails stuff built on the back end to do all the okay. other like marketing automation tooling type stuff. But back then it was just a multi install WordPress on a server. There were clients we were supporting where they would have their own hosting. They'd have their own domain name. They'd give us their login. We would just go in there, upload, you know, the WordPress files, like very yeah, much not scalable. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we kind of brought everything into one ecosystem or a, uh, with servers and then we were doing all that for them automatically okay. through a sign-in. Okay. So when um, Trevor asked you to come back, Chris was already there. It started, it was sort of taking shape as a SaaS. Is that correct? And he yep. says, now, okay, we're, we're shifting from agency. Why did they contact? What was your role? Yeah. So my role when I uh, initially came back was on the marketing side with Trevor. Um, okay. He needed somebody, you know, kind of standing next to him to help implement a lot of the things that, you know, we knew worked in the business. So at that point we were writing a lot of content, you know, teaching people how to do the the same conversion stuff that we were, uh, we knew worked. Um, but he was on podcasts, he was on, you know, running webinars and he needed somebody, you know, creating the landing pages, making sure the leads coming in, we're getting like the drip sequences and we're optimizing those. 
making sure blog posts were, you know, SEO uh, focused that have uh, a background in, in SEO and, and content yeah. writing and stuff. So that was my main. Okay. So reason. you're sort of like a CMO kind of, he's the CEO, he's a visionary. Would you, would you say like, what's your role now? Are you the CMO? So right now I'm the director of operations. Yeah. I left okay, so the marketing the world. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Trevor is a very strong marketer. He has a ton of experience, but he just has this like knack for knowing how to like position things and talk to people and hit those triggers. So we quickly learned, you know, like he, he can just build a team. We can build a team around him and they can just really scale this. But then there's all these other areas of business that needed similar, like, you know, process and follow through right. and whatnot. So that's why my role expanded out to Execution. the operational. Okay. Yes. So really to execute. Okay. Okay, great. So when you guys first turned to the SaaS, what was the pricing like? I mean, how did you price this? What was the offer? Yeah, we had three tiers. Uh, it was 19 bucks a month, 39 bucks a month. So I guess we had two tiers. It was 19 and 39. And, and you, I think, essentially you, what they were getting at this time was your clients would come to you and say, hey, I really want like what Trevor's doing. I want yep. this theme. And so yep. you said, OK, well, we've created this into a service now. What comes with that? Because obviously they could buy a theme. So there must have been right. something else that comes with it. So what was coming with that? Yep. So they would get the theme and the difference would be all the content is filled out for you. All the pages are already linked. You know, like you have a frequently asked questions page. It's already like pre-written. Okay. Um, most, you know, WordPress themes you install, you have to create the content yourself. You have yeah. to create the pages, know how to like SEO, like link them, et cetera. So okay. that was the main, you know, benefit, but we did weekly coaching calls. So you could hop on and ask your marketing, your investing, any of those kinds of questions. And then we had like, you know, upsells, which would be things like um, trainings, like video content where we would teach mm -hmm. you SEO. Like we teach you how to do keyword research. We would teach okay. you how to. So it's general sort of marketing is is a whole yeah. platform that was specific for real estate investing. Yeah. Okay. And then pretty soon after that, we did create a, a custom like landing page builder in our software. Mm -hmm. So it was a little bit more. It was more structured with instead of just creating like a blank wordpress page we'd be like okay well we know you want a hero form or a, a form at the top to capture leads so like we would kind of let you trade it in a box where you couldn't really like mess up the conversion methodology right mm -hmm. um, and so that was like in the higher price plan you know you can create as many custom landing pages as you want more exclusive like content support things like that Okay. So um, was there a time where you actually had to shut down the agency to start the SaaS, like where the revenues actually went down? Like, let's say agency work was at 10000 That's quite a low price point for a set. It's not low, I mean, but it's on the lower side, right? So you need to have a, a certain amount of customers to get back up to that 10000 Was there a drop off? And, and how did that transition go? Yeah, there was a, a small drop off. It actually wasn't that bad, but basically what had happened was, like I had mentioned, you know, we were calling ourselves REI theme at the time. Mm -hmm. We kind of just let that website, you know, sit there and basically, you know, put up messaging saying, you know, we're, we're transitioning over to on carry it, blah, 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 come over with us. And so we tried to migrate as many people as we could over, kind of just change the structure of the team a bit, which had some, you know, contractors and outsourced. Um, you know, and, and like, Hey, we're all in on, you know, the SAS play over here. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I had mentioned Trevor had a couple businesses before this one. And so he did have a little bit of, you know, working capital to kind of double down and invest in 
the transition time. Okay, so um, can we talk about the MVP? Was it was it Chris that was doing that, and and how was Chris compensated? Like, how much did the MVP cost? Yeah, so it's interesting because the MVP was like the template or the theme that we were giving to people and selling beforehand. Uh-huh. So we uh, okay. just cleaned it up a bit, you know, making it so it's easy. So when we um, when somebody kind of installs it, I guess on their uh, domain name, I know it's more technical than that, but um, mm-hmm. it was clean. And so we had already kind of invested, if you if you want to call it that, up into that point. And so when Chris came in, he basically just made it so it's, people could create a username, a password, and then automation would create the site behind the scenes. And then they could just attach their domain name with like a C name record. Mm-hmm. And now to them, they have a website online. Okay. So that to us was our, you know, our MVP with the SAS. Okay. So they, you would ask them to set like buy dot, um, the, whatever the C name was. And that was actually hosted on your infrastructure. Yeah. So AWS or wherever it was. Yep. Okay. Yep. So that was, yeah, that was what Chris came in and made so much better than it was before. Okay. And so really was Chris was being able to do this. Was he getting paid at that time still as a contractor? He was, yeah, we were paying him, um, like I mentioned before. And then, you know, honestly, I don't know. I know, you know, his equity portion now, but I don't know kind of how that came to be. Yeah. Um, Cause they were, you know, obviously making those decisions and then brought me on after the fact. Uh, okay. to help with the marketing. Because now, like I was kind of mentioning to you before, um, once we turned it into a SaaS, it went from people coming to us and like saying, hey, I heard about this thing to us, like still having that happen, but like, okay, let's market this thing now. Now okay. we can like go on to webinars. Now we can do like joint ventures, like partnerships, outreach, mm-hmm. um, SEO, things like that, and really like throw some gasoline on this fire. Okay. So let's go through that. Um, what were some of the first steps that you did to start marketing? Cause you, you realize you're, you're a SaaS. Things are, at least things are smooth now. Maybe the revenues are what? They're probably quite small, 5,000 maybe at this time. Yeah. Something yep. like that. Uh, you brought the first users over from the agency. So you had some users. That's what it sounds like. So the drop off from 10,000 went to say four or 5,000. What was some of the first things that you did to market the SaaS? Yeah. So there's two things that were kind of core to our um, success there. One was Trevor, like I mentioned, was very well known in that like sphere. So, you know, from the Facebook groups and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and so they would do like, um, almost like syndications in a way where like, let's say there's five people that are all, you know, promoting webinars, maybe writing eBooks. Cause that was really big at the time, yeah. uh, you know, doing a course launch, etc. So they'd all kind of get together and be like, okay, well we can easily like promote each other in this way to like, you know, kind of get all of our audience's eyeballs on this thing. Mm-hmm. And so Trevor was a part of that, you know, which means we had a small list at the time, like I mentioned from REI theme. So he was helping promote, you know, other industry partners, courses on, you know, how to do this type of wholesaling or bird dogging or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, by the way, if you're going to be looking for leads, you probably need a website, right? Did you know Carrot has websites and they would do mm-hmm. the same for us. Yeah. Um, so that was one. And then two, we went really aggressively in content marketing. We saw this as like a long-term play. Yeah. Um, so like real estate investor websites, how to generate leads online, you know, we did a pretty extensive keyword research and we had like call like a dream 100 list of like the hundred keywords we wanted to rank for. And we're like, yeah. all right, let's start writing long form content on all of these topics. 
and start trying to drive some backlinks to them. Okay, so is that basically the SEO? That, do you feel like the SEO was sort of the big channel or what? I mean, if we mentioned um, before the show, did you feel like you had a big break? And if so, what what do you feel like that was and when did it happen? Yeah, I think the big break for us was when you are online talking about something and people come to you and ask for it and you're not, you know, trying to sell them or market to them in a way, but they like, they can either see the value so clearly or so obvious and they need it that they're, you know, asking you for it to us. That was kind of like the aha moment um, with why we were starting to like sell the theme. And then Mm -hmm. of course, like in terms of a big break, you know, getting Chris in was like the way that we could really scale this and Mm -hmm. uh, make it more evergreen. And so once people were starting to, you know, we had a Slack channel and when Mm -hmm. somebody would sign up, it would notify us. This is Slack. Was Slack around? I mean, Slack was around in 2014 or when was it? When was that? I believe so. 2014, 2015, we had Slack or something similar where we'd get notified when a sale would happen. And so like we'd wake up in the morning and there'd be like, you know, five sales in there. And to uh-huh. us, that was our big break because we're like, we don't even have to like get on the phone and get yeah, this yeah, uh, great. login information anymore. Like they can yeah. just sign up while we sleep. Uh huh. So I'm trying to think, what are they actually looking for? The conversation back then is like, hey, do you guys know where I can get a great website that does everything <laughs> yep. that that I can just automatically get leads? Is is that sort of the what people are looking like? If I was to go to Google at that time, what would I actually be looking for? Yeah. So you probably type in like, you know, real estate investor template or WordPress okay. name for a real estate investor or lead jet, how to generate leads, uh, motivated yeah. seller leads or things it like sounds that. Sounds like a very competitive um, space. Yes, it is definitely right? is. Yeah, it definitely yeah. is and, and or was and still is. Um, uh-huh. How is the space now? It's very interesting right now. So yeah. the thing we're seeing is like almost the consolidation in the market between retail and investors. So what I mean by retail are going to be like your realtors, uh, yeah. your 6% you know, listing, Zillow, Redfin, Keller Williams, all these are now looking, well, with how hot real estate is right now, there's agents who are just super hungry for any kind of deal because things are going, there's no inventory and things are selling so quick. They're like, we need more leads. We need more transactions. Mm-hmm. And now there, it would appear more interested in like the other side of the coin where we operate, which is like the off market MLS type properties. So they call them mm-hmm. iBuyer programs, which is basically like, Hey, if you want to sell your house, you can go this way, which is through a realtor, or you can go this way, which is like a cash offer through an investor. And mm-hmm. so everybody's starting to kind of play in that multiple offer type space. Okay. All right. So, so um, it, that sounds like more of a recent development. Is that, is that correct? Yes. Is that like sort of a COVID thing or is this just sort of the, the, the market happening with low interest rates, the current market that's, that's happening? Yeah, I would say low interest rates. And then in our estimation, you know, like a lack of inventory coming out of the 2008 uh, recession, you know, I think builders are now, you know, starting to catch up to some demand, but low inventory, low interest rates are just creating a lot of people looking to do real estate transactions. Okay, great. So um, I'd like to go back to, to the point where you're just starting to grow and um, SEO is working for you well. What, what other, ch- the, the sort of, it sounds like joint webinars, is, is that yeah. is that what you yeah. would call, that was sort of one of the early drivers, yeah. and then the content marketing Walk me through your um, 
content marketing? Were you doing the actual writing or did you hire writers or what was your sort of uh, playbook for the uh, content marketing? Sure. So Trevor was doing all of the writing. And I remember he would stay up till like two, three o'clock in the morning. We published, we made a commitment to each other to publish, I believe it was every, I want to say Tuesday, okay. uh, a blog post. And so, you know, he would be up, like I mentioned, and then basically uh, myself or as we grew, somebody else on the team would kind of, you know, just kind of clean it up, make sure, you know, it, it was good. And then we would email it out to our list, try to add it into like our drip sequences, um, mm-hmm. you know, really amplify the content. And so then, you know, we'd have a little calendar be like, okay, we got to go after this keyword uh, this Tuesday. And then we're going to do this keyword this Tuesday. Let's shoot a video teaching how to do this thing, et cetera, et cetera. So that was how we kind of walk through the content. The other reason why we, we knew content had to be a heavy play for us is because we're teaching our customers how to you know, yeah. do SEO. We better be pretty yeah. good at SEO too. That's true. Okay. And <laughs> you were sort of in charge of the SEO. Is that right? Cause it was sort of your background. Yeah. I mean, Trevor, Trevor has an SEO background too. So, I mean, we, okay. it was, so it you was guys nice knew what you guys, you guys knew what you're doing. What tools were you using for SEO at that time? Was Ahrefs around or what were you using? I don't think Ahrefs was around at the time. We were using, and we still to this day use agency analytics, which okay. I love that software. That is an amazing SEO software. And then Asana for like, you know, managing the content and the checklist, the to do's of, of how we want to okay. um, publish content. Those were our main two. Agency. Tools. Sorry. What was it? Agency what? Agency analytics. Okay. What makes you like that? Is it just, uh, yeah. So it's, you can, it's like a white labeled like SEO reporting tool. Um, okay. so you can put your branding on it so you could send it to a client and, you know, say like, here's your, you know, traffic and your keywords, okay. but it lets you track keywords, but then it's really good with integration. So you can like hook up your Facebook, your Google ads, your Twitter and have like, you know, your following your, some of your content type stuff. And then some of your like, uh, paid marketing all in one place. Okay. So it sounds like the marketing rollout at this time was really kind of grow the audience kind of, was it the reason that he was spending so much time on the content was, was to get more people to sign up to the email list. Is that sort of the main goal or was it to actually convert into um, buying the product? It was both. It was definitely like we were hungry for customers, right. To grow it. So it was, you know, there's definitely call to actions in every single email at the bottom Uh of every blog post, you know, and throughout it. So it was definitely that, but we were growing a pretty substantial email list at the time, which then made us, you know, do webinars and, you know, pitch and demos in that way. uh, Once we had an email list that we were optimizing. Okay. So at this time, this is sort of now 2015, would you say? Mm-hmm. You're sort of, you're growing now, like about what yep. was, what was the growth like at this time? And was it mostly coming from content marketing? Yeah. I mean, in the early days, it definitely was coming from um, content marketing. We were growing at about 30% year over year uh, or MRR. Okay. Um, sometimes some years it was like closer to 35, 40. Okay. Like sort of, you mentioned five new users a day. Was it like a, a linear growth or was there ever a sort of a hockey stick uh, very, growth? Yeah, very linear. I would say like 2013 or 14, you know, we get maybe 10, 10 to 15 signups per week, 14 okay. to 50. It's more like, you know, 20, 30. 
now we're getting uh way more than that but it was very steady like we didn't we never had that like inflection point like some SaaS companies get where it either goes viral or 100% growth year over year we don't have any of that which honestly I'm not too sad about just because there is I think something to say about creating a business that's like steady and somewhat predictable yeah no I think it's great I mean obviously going from 5000 MRR to 800,000 over a period of, you know, eight years or something it yeah. is, you know, that's really big growth. When did you see real growth? I mean, it was, it sounds like something yeah. has happened between 2015 and now where, where all of a sudden it just started to really take off. Well, when was that? Yeah, I would say late 2015, we were able to start investing in more team members, which definitely helped, and then paid ads, right? We definitely... Okay, so you got uh, the cold traffic working. Cold traffic. The other thing that I kind of failed to mention was affiliates have always been something we started the company with. Mm -hmm. So when I was mentioning like, you know, those the syndication, we were definitely giving them affiliate links. Mm -hmm. And there's in our industry, there's definitely a lot of like coaches who like coach uh, real estate investors, like how to do the thing. Yeah. So getting in their networks, we would, you know, attend mastermind, attend conferences, give them affiliate links. And that kind of almost in its own way, it's like a flywheel, right? It has a very strong momentum for us, even to this day. So going back to 2015, a combination of turning on paid ads, more and more affiliates coming in and like marketing for us because we pay a 50% referral fee and it's pretty easy to sell the product. So they were, they were making good commissions. Okay. Uh, and then the 50% the referrals at like a one time or do you have no. a recurring? No. Yeah, oh, that's, recurring. so it's 50% really. So you're, you're paying your affiliates 50%. Okay. That, that's great. And, and so what, where are you finding? What do you feel like the, the biggest growth channel is for you? Let's talk about the still keep it 2015. Okay. Um, was it affiliates content? What, what do you think the breakdown was in marketing? Yeah. So I could pull the numbers up. I know like off the top of my head, I believe it was probably close to 60% organic traffic yeah, and then 30% affiliates. Okay. And okay. so, so that, that, that that's, paid ads is very small. Yeah. Okay. And, and you then, remember like this was around the time when Google started like doing the not set and like really hiding a lot of like the analytics traffic and data. We used yeah, to have yeah. so much more insight into like where people were coming from. Now it's yeah. like, a little bit more convoluted for sure. Yeah. Um, but you can at least tell like what's converting, what the main yep. landing pages are. Would you say your main landing pages are still some of those early long tail articles that you wrote? Cause Believe I'm thinking not, it's, they, are. they, they are, eh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because it, it's such, it, a, such a competitive space, right? And so that stuff that you were writing in 2014 that has a lot of authority, you know, is probably driving a lot of the traffic. It is. Yeah, and it's so funny. I mean, like, I, I do believe in part of this was luck, timing, and whatnot, but we would find clients that were doing well, right? And we would mm -hmm. say, like, hey, let's just, like, like almost feature them or showcase them. Like, who doesn't, you know, like talking about Case studies, success? yeah. Exactly. But we would, it was a case study, but we would definitely like approach it more from like, you know, how does this change your lifestyle? Like, what would you like to tell any other like future investors? And of course, they're like, you got to get carrot, you know, blah, 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 blah. And so putting some of those pages up on our sales site and driving traffic to it and then giving them a referral link and asking them to, you know, send some traffic over. I mean, it, it does take a little bit of time and energy up front, but I mean, to this day, some of those 
case studies, we've either re revamped them or like, you know, brought the guests back on for like an update and mm-hmm. uh, they've, they've really paid, paid. So they would be, they, they're really an affiliate too then. And so like, yep. let's say they're a coach, they set up their site using carrot. They're also doing real estate investment themselves and they're coaching and then they you essentially become they go from client to affiliate yep exactly and that's how you're growing your traffic okay yep okay okay that makes sense what was effective for you on the cold traffic uh was there any sort of um thing that cold traffic was it like webinars or what what was the thing that worked for you on your cold traffic yeah so surprisingly i mean this kind of goes against what a lot of SaaS companies do now and back then but we had a demo but it was not a live like demo call it was just like an an email opt-in and then a series of videos so you'd have to like watch one and then you could click next and go to the next one and then at Mm -hmm. the end it was an offer and the offer had like a you know an upsell and a downsell on it Mm -hmm. um but so that was our main call to action on our homepage. so you hit carrot back in 2014 there's a video on the homepage with some copy you click it, it's very short, and then it kind of just giving context, and then it would say opt-in for the demo. And mm-hmm. that is the a lot of the cold traffic was going there, getting educated, and then we would do a drip email sequence of that demo. And that's where I was, we were sending out like links to the case study, links to a, hey, grab our keyword research planner, giving away like a bunch of value for free, showing that the product worked. You know, having people talk about it, etc. We've explained the product and then a strong offer at the end um, to buy. Okay, and so so it sounds like really um, you're doing more marketing education. That's the most of the value that you're. It's almost like a course. It sounds like is, is that right? So there's a lot yeah, of education absolutely. still still involved. What's your pricing at now? So now we're at sixty nine dollars on our lowest plan and a hundred and ninety nine dollars on our top plan. Okay. And was there gradual steps to raising the pricing and, and how did that go? Is it just basically like you guys decide like, okay, we've just been put all this, um, resources into, um, development. We've added all these new features. We feel like we can raise the pricing. Is that basically how you can do that once a year or how, what's your strategy on, on raising the prices? Yeah. So I'll be a hundred percent honest. Early days, we definitely didn't have a strategy. We're just like, Oh yeah, we should definitely raise prices now. We haven't done it in a while. And so we would Uh just do it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and we would do that almost every two years, uh, since we've been a company, we've looked at our pricing. Uh However, now that we have kind of talking a little bit more currently, we have a product team. Uh, Jeff, who runs our product is very experienced. And so he's doing like user survey. And he's mm-hmm. like asking like, hey, which of these features are your favorite? Okay, how much would you pay for this feature? And then like putting it in a matrix against our competitors features mm-hmm. list. And he's saying, okay, I think this is the price point that the market's willing to bear for X, Y, and Z. Let's move these features up to here to this plan. I think we can charge this price for it. So it's definitely more strategic, more methodical. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just went through our last round of uh, price changes at the back half of 2020. Mm-hmm. And it was a very different experience for our company and for our, our clients versus uh, in years past. It was all you, abrupt and one. Did you get, I mean, like how much pushback were you getting or did you grandfather certain like early users in or anything like that? How do you handle that? Yeah. So we definitely, you're definitely going to get some churn. That is for sure. Um, if mm-hmm. you do it right, you're hoping to offset, you know, the churn with the new ARPU yeah. and, and, the AO, and the AOVs that come from that. But um yeah. 
we did grandfather certain plans, but we did it on a six month window. So we said, mm-hmm. after the six months, you're going up to the original price or sorry, the new price. Yeah. And surprisingly, but we, you know, we're not doing it without giving you more features or more, um, you know, support or whatever. So surprisingly, most people are okay with that, especially because if you close a deal through your carrot website, you basically paid for your membership for the next several years. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. So it's so, it's kind of a no brainer, really, if you get, you know, it pays for itself very quickly. Would you say that that's accurate? I mean, how, how soon is it before they're closing deals on once they get set up? Yeah, so it definitely depends, right? But I would say I've definitely seen and talked to customers who have come in and within their first 30 days have generated a lead and closed uh-huh. that lead. And so really? okay. I, it can be as fast as 30 days for most Which people. Which could be worth that, like 10 grand to them or something, right? Or more, yeah. yeah. More, so it's, yeah. it's pretty it's pretty exceptional. And But yeah. I would say for the average client, that three to nine month window is when you're probably going to see some sort of success. And it uh-huh. all depends on, you know, do you have more time than money? Are you an experienced marketer? Like, do you know what you're doing? Are you technical, you know, enough to kind of send traffic to a website? And then a lot of it too is, can you get on the phone and, and close the lead, right? Or transact the deal. So. And you're helping with all of that too, right? You have blogs or you have trainings on that. How was uh, COVID for you guys? Uh, You mentioned changing your pricing in 2020, but I mean, how, how did the whole, like, you know, walk me through sort of, cause I'm sure real estate market has been pretty quiet. Well, when it first came, right, people were, it was, sure. I think there was so yep. much uncertainty. Did you guys have a bunch of churn then? Or what, I mean, how has COVID affected you? Sure. Yeah. So we feel very blessed and fortunate. COVID to us really wasn't a huge detractor to mm-hmm. uh, our customers or our revenue. We actually saw some of the biggest spikes in April and May that we've ever had in terms of new acquisition. We believe it's because, you know, people are at home and they're like, man, I have time to research this thing. Yeah. I need a side hustle. I just lost my job. Yeah, I know real estate's yeah. lucrative. I know it's hot right now, et cetera. Uh-huh. So we had a ton of people coming in trying to learn how to do real estate during COVID on the agent side. Cause we do have a, a product for retail or uh, like realtors. We did mm-hmm. see a little bit of um, them trimming, right? Their, mm-hmm. their tools, their software, et cetera. So we definitely saw that. But yeah, the only thing. Like I mentioned, we had planned on changing our prices to start the year, but we held off on it with COVID because we were like, well, we don't want to be, you know, the company raising prices when mm-hmm. um, yeah. there's so much turmoil right now in the market. So we pushed that off to the back half of the year, which did make us have to kind of reshift some of our strategies for marketing and acquisition to offset the ARPU we were kept, lift we were counting on earlier in the year. Yeah. I, I want to mention, because we were talking in the pre-show that you're 100% bootstrapped. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how is managing cash flow? Because tell me the story of when there was a time where like, or well, was there a time when you were like, oh my, are we going to make it? You know, we're going to, is there some stories like that you can tell me? Yeah, there's honestly, there's nothing um, like, you know, us having to go to the bank the day before payroll to make sure like everybody gets paid. Yeah. You know, we're pretty good. Yeah, I think uh, we definitely adhere to a lot of like the common wisdom around, you know, um, being a little bit more frugal or, you know, optimizing what we have. You know, I think we know some SaaS founders in this space who are, you know, at 100 employees and doing similar revenue to us. And uh-huh. we just have made the strategic decision to be more lean. We want, you what, know. How many get, employees are you at now? We're at 40 employees right now. Okay, 40. And so do you have any sort of guidelines for cash flow? Like, 
what you want to use is reserved yeah. to how much goes back into development, um, marketing, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. So we keep six month cash reserves at all time in the bank. We feel okay. like that's enough cushion to give us, you know, comfort in the business. And then every year since 2018, we have been adding basically new functions in the business. So in 2018, mm-hmm. we added the operations role. 2019 was product team and 2020 was a customer success function. Okay. And yeah. so when we get together for the year, we're like, okay, how much, like you're kind of alluding to, how much of our cash flow are we going to invest in this? And what do we think that return will be? Yeah. Okay. Do you follow any sort of like EOS or anything like that for your management, like offsite meetings and anything like that? Yeah, we're definitely a hybrid of a lot of things right now, but we do have a, a strong EOS. Like we do, you know, rocks and we have like level 10 type meetings and uh-huh. stuff. Yeah. Uh, we don't, we're not fully EOS, but we're on OKRs. So yeah. Good. All right. Great. So Alex, I want to thank you. We're coming up uh, on the top of the hour or agreed upon time. I want to thank you so much for your insight. Is there anything that you might be able to tell our listeners about, you know, like let's say you're back in a position where you're going to start a SaaS. What would be some of your advice that you might give for someone that's thinking about pulling the trigger and building a SaaS? Yeah. So if you're thinking about pulling the trigger, do it. I love the business model. It is fantastic. Obviously, I'm saying that from somebody who's seen success. I know the flip side of that can be very frustrating to get traction and get it going. My biggest advice would be if you're clear on who your ideal customer is, talk to them as often as you can and find their pain points and give them value, even if it's free up front. And just be really clear on the problem you're trying to solve for them. And then do that and then go find more of them. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, when I talk to founders, they're almost always saying, talk to your customers no matter what. You can't be like a lone developer and thinking that you can solve someone's problem without talking to your customer. You may be the best developer, but if you're not solving a customer's specific problem and, you know, you've built something and no one one may come. So I think that's great advice. Exactly. Good. Okay. And if anyone wants to reach out to you, how can they find you? So I'm a pretty open book. Alex.carrot.com. Okay. okay, great. Okay. And you have a personal website I saw too, right? I do. Alexzerbach.com. Okay, perfect. Okay. Thanks so much, Alex. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Big Break Software Podcast with your host, Jordy Wardman. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software big break could be right around the corner.